Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Listen, I'm going to put a word on the screen here. What immediately, the first thoughts that come to God bless our kids, right on? And those who teach them today, I'm so, I Pastor Jonathan, isn't it great? <laughs> these kids are following Jesus, and uh, that's wonderful. You thought I was going to go out and be with him, didn't you? No, staying with you. I haven't forgotten. What's, what's, what comes to mind when you see this word, godliness? Now, we asked this, uh, this past week in different uh, social media venues, and uh, here's some of the responses that came back. Righteousness. Someone else said rules. <laughs> Almighty. Omnipotent, you know, you've got to be almighty and omnipotent to be godly, I guess. Uh, pious, perfection, holy. You know, there's just, just some of the responses that we get. I mean, Peter says that we are to be godly. Here, here's where he says it, right in the same scriptures that we've been looking at in this brutiful series, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Okay, I, I can do that. Knowledge, can do that. Knowledge, self-control. Okay, I can get better at that. Perseverance, I can push, I, I can persevere. And to perseverance, godliness? Godliness. What was it? Be almighty, be omnipotent, be holy. And, and the thing is, this is Paul, this is Peter's second letter in his first letter, he says something just as impossible. He says this. He says, be holy as I am holy. Now, can you imagine that? That's like asking the, um, that's like asking you, or say you're a Blue Jay, asking a Blue Jay player, every time you go to bat, you hit a home run or you're out of the team. It's like saying to a raptor, every time you touch that b-ball, I want to hear a swish. It's like saying to the Maple Leafs, okay, let's not go, like, it's just impossible, impossible. You know, it's like saying to you students, you know, every course you take, you better get an A+. It reminded me this past week, that's why I just sort of last minute brought some of these things out. All right, got to tell you the bit of the background. I, I was doing all right, doing pretty good actually in McMaster University in my degree program. And uh, Esther and I were getting married in the, in the fall, and, uh, but I decided I would sign up for a course that's called, listen to this, Intensive Classical Greek. 
because the New Testament was written in Greek, and I thought, boy, that'd be a great tool as a pastor to be able to have Greek, you know, and I was horrible with languages, and I said, Esther, we're getting married that fall, so I missed, there were once a week, three-hour classes, I missed three of them, I missed nine hours of classes, when I did show up, I was with these master and doctoral students with a multilinguistic professor at the head of the table back then smoking his pipe and, and talking. I figured out that's where the saying came from, it's all Greek to me. Because <laughs> it was. Man, I was lost. The professor was so gracious when they get someone to read Socrates or Plato or from the Gospel of John. He would sort of just find a way of skipping me and getting around. He was so gracious. But listen, if someone told me, and I I made a lot of effort. You know what? I haven't had these. I've never shown you these before. These are, there are thousands of Greek words here. I have the English on one side, the Greek on the other. All seven different verb forms in classical Greek, they're, they're, they're all there. I don't have any textbook that is more worn out than this one. And I've probably got written all my other textbooks, but I keep this one. It is so worn out, an introduction to ancient Greek. I made every effort, but if someone told me, you've got to get an A plus on that course or you're dead, I'd say, take my life. Take my life, like, as if that's going to happen. You know, it, it just, and that's, that's the way I feel when Peter says, add godliness to your life. Be holy as God is holy. I mean, it's impossible for you. It, it sounds a lot like another performance-based religion, right? If we're going to turn Christianity, well, you've got to be godly enough. You've got to be holy enough. You're, you're sort of saying you earn your salvation by following the rules, by being good enough and righteous enough, being as holy as God is. The problem is that no one of us is ever going to be as holy as God is. It's not only impossible, it's also weird. It's weird. Why weird? Because the person who wrote this is hardly known for their godliness. They're more known for the profanity and their denial they're messing up. I mean, Peter knew that at the beginning. When he first met Jesus, he said, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I'll never make it as your follower. Pastor Jessica talked about him having so little self-control that after two and a half years of following Jesus, in the same conversation that, that Peter recognizes that Jesus is the messianic son of God, he also tries to tell the son of God that he's getting it wrong and that Peter knows better. Pastor Jonathan talked about persevering. <laughs> After telling Jesus he would never deny him, when Jesus is arrested, Peter starts saying, Jesus who? <laughs> then there's the other total mess up the night before uh, that one, when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. It's in the Gospel of John. And it's customary after traveling, you remember in those dusty, dirty Middle Eastern roads when you walk with sandals, you, you cleaned your feet. You know, my wife would have never let anyone come in the house and sit at the table. You clean your feet first or else you, you vacuum. I guess they didn't vacuum. You sweep. And then the disciples have the other. I'm not washing anybody's feet. I ain't nobody's servant. Jesus picks up the towel in the basin and he tells them this is a le lesson on humility and servanthood. 
Uh, th this is what you have to be to be my follower. And things are going fine until he comes to Peter, right? He goes to wash Peter's feet, and Peter says, no, Lord. Now put those two words together. If he's Lord, do you say no to him? Peter did. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. Wash all of me. Peter never did anything in halves, did he? Now, if you were rating Peter according to a performance-based religion, what grade would you give him? Holy and godly are not the first words that come to my mind when I think of Peter. The reality is, I, I, I think we can relate better to a messed up Peter who didn't ever get godly enough than we can to the one that says, add self-control, perseverance, and godliness to your life. But hold on, hold on, because what is Peter saying? Before we uh, all agree that it's impossible and go home discouraged, let's just look at what he is saying. Let's look at the meaning of the two Greek words, because it was written in the Greek language. He, he wrote in First and Second Peter in, in the Greek language that people spoke in, in his audience, and he, wrote, he used the two words holy, you know, when he said, be holy as God is holy. Hegios. It means perfect, pure, worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. It's sort of like, God, you're holy. And I long to be like you. You know, it, it goes on to say it this way. I like to put a W in front of holy. Holy, it means complete. Nothing broken, nothing missing. How many would like to move into a life that got you onto a journey where you reached a point where nothing was broken and nothing was missing? Right on? Wouldn't that be a wonderful journey? And then he also uses the word godly, which in the Greek language was eusebia, godly. It means devout, devoted. You know, as soon as I read that, I think I can do that. Because it's really talking about a life that's devoted to Jesus. You see, we've added baggage, religious performance baggage to what Peter is actually calling us to as followers of Jesus in, in his letter. Because, he, he, I mean, he couldn't do it himself, so we know he's not saying that we got to be that perfect, holy in, in the religious sense. But in, in the grace sense, in the wholesome, in the redemption, in, the, in that sense, add to your perseverance a life that is devoted to Jesus. I can do that. That's why the teaching today is how to be godly without being religious. If I asked you if, if you, if you want to be as, as holy and godly as God and Jesus, you would say, impossible. Impossible. But if I say to you today in this room and those who are with us online, how many want wholeness in your life? How, how many want to become more whole <laughs> with less brokenness and less gaps in our life missing because of the treatment of others and our own failures in the past? How, how many want to live a life devoted to Jesus? How many can say, sign me up? Sign me up for that. So let's, let's just, before we have communion and pray, let's look at three ways we can become more whole, more godly, more devoted to Jesus, okay? 
Here's the first one. Thank Jesus for having what it takes to completely cleanse us from all unholiness. Read that again. Thank Jesus for having what it takes to completely cleanse us from all unholiness. Yeah. But don't stop there. but, But let's start there. If you're going to be healed of your brokenness, you're going to need someone who isn't broken to get you there. You're going to need someone that can help you get you from where you are to a place where you're complete, you're perfect, you're, you're holy. And that rules out religion. Rules out church denominations. How many of there's no religious founder and no church leader that is perfect, whether it's Buddha, Mohammed, Confucius, Mother Teresa, Pope, or Pastor Jonathan. Not one of them. Not one of them. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way. I'll live a perfect life and give it for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one will get you to God except me. Others will give you religion where you have to earn your salvation. You have to be good enough. I give you salvation as a gift. I pay for it with my life. And we love that verse, don't we? When we need to remind ourselves that it's not our works. (laughs) It is by grace. Remember grace, G-R-A-C-E. You say, what is grace? How would you define it? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Theologians have a word for it, justification. I I love the way Billy Graham worded it. He said, just as if I'd never sinned. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? You see, see, if if you died today, now don't do it. If you died today and you went to heaven, do you know what? You would you would go in if you're trusting Jesus, you've received his gift. Isn't that wonderful? Even if you weren't, even you didn't have a chance to get holy or godly enough, you still qualify because Jesus qualifies you. Isn't that wonderful? That's a wonderful gift. We, we, we celebrate that. But is that all there is to being a Christian? Someone said, you know, what's a Christian? Oh, someone who said the sinner's prayer. What about after that? Someone who's born again. What about a baby that's born but then just stays, doesn't grow? I mean... It just doesn't make sense. Receiving Jesus, just to be justified. Is that what makes you a Christian? Let's listen to Jesus himself. What did he invite people to do when he met them and he wanted them to come with him? He would say, follow me, follow, follow. That's not just one step, that's, that's continuing, following Jesus. Receiving Jesus is what you got you started in the right direction, but it's the first step in a devotion, being a devotee of Jesus, a life devoted to following Jesus where you become more and more whole and complete and mature. Dallas Willard, wonderful writer with the Lord now, but he, he wrote about this. He says, a lot of North American Christianity has become, he calls it barcode Christianity. Did you say the sinner's prayer? You're in doesn't matter how you live after or whether you really love Jesus. It's just, you said the sinner's prayer. You're in. 
There's nothing about following Jesus any further. He says, people that have been told they are Christians because they have, they have confessed, they believe that Jesus died for their sins, now they've made the cut to get to heaven. But we've taken the discipleship out of salvation. It's a Christianity that leaves the rest of their lives untouched. You know, one U.S. pastor, and, you know, a lot of ways to slice up what's going on in the world today, but one U.S. pastor uh, was writing about what Christians in the U.S. have become known for these days, and he says, he writes this, he says, one of the biggest obstacles to Christian witness in the U.S. is not Christian secularism, which is, or is a Christian secularism, which is uncritically shaped by the flag, the gun, and the dollar, all in the name of Jesus. Reading this past week about some wonderful scientists in the world that are a bit embarrassed about letting their colleagues know that they're a Christian because it associates them with a political Christianity, which does not look at all like Jesus. It's sort of like the, the, the mom that was making pancakes for her two sons, Richard and uh, his little brother, Ryan. And Richard, they were both eagerly watching the mom make the pancakes, pour it in the frying pan, and, 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 and Richard, Richard says, Mom, can I, can I have the first one? And the mom says, now what would Jesus say? Richard says, he would say, let my brother have it. And then he paused and he looked at his little brother, he says, Ryan, you be Jesus. Sort of like, we've reduced salvation to justification without sanctification. So it's not about, you receive Jesus, but you don't have to become like him. But you said that what makes following Jesus different from other religions is that salvation isn't by your works. And that's still true. Matter of fact, watch this. I read one verse that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, now Turkey. And, and listen to what he says right in the next verse. He says, we read this already. It's grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, read this aloud with me, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I don't do good works to earn my salvation to become a Christian. I do good works because I indeed have become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. You know, Peter says it this way. Did you, did you see this in the verse? He says, make every effort to add all these things to your life. Make every effort. Listen, salvation is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Earning. The apostle Paul wrote in Philippi, he said, continue to work out your salvation. What's he talking about? It's a gift. Yeah, but when you receive, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Do you understand this? If, if God is in you, you work out in your life what God has already worked in. Do you see that? You work out what God has worked in. It makes so much sense then that when Jesus was leaving us and his Holy Spirit was coming to be with us to help us take the good news to everybody of what Jesus had done, the gift that he had brought them. What did he say? Go and make converts? 
Disciples. He didn't say go and get people to say the sinner's prayer. He said go and make disciples. Disciples. What's, what's a disciple? A, a person that's devoted to Jesus, to following him and becoming more and more godly and more and more holy like Jesus. Peter gives us some very encouraging news, though. How many are glad that Jesus never asks us to do something that he doesn't give us the power to do it? He always gives us the power. And he, he says, by his divine power, God has given everything we need for living a godly life. Someone should say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank Jesus for having what it takes to completely cleanse us from all brokenness. And because I love you right back, Jesus, I'm not stopping there. All right, secondly, don't try to become godly without failures. Stop there. Don't try to become godly without failures. Failures that need repeated cleansings. Did you know you're supposed to fail? Anytime you're wondering how your relationship with our loving Father God is supposed to work, think of God as your loving Father. He wants you to do well. A few weeks ago, I told you about our, our granddaughter, Eleanor, a, a few weeks ago when she was taking some of her first steps, and she went boom, boom, and then on her bum, you know, boom, boom, on the bum. What did her father do? Come on, you can do better than that. You come off. No, I saw my son David just celebrating. Good girl, get up again. You're walking, you're walking. Instead of seeing the failure, he saw her making every effort, right? To walk. That's what the loving father does with you. He sees your effort. He sees those times where you get discouraged and, man, am I ever going to make this Jesus thing work in my life. I keep struggling with the same sins. I keep, uh, I, I just can't do this. Your heavenly father sees you trying to follow Jesus. He sees you trying to add godliness and holiness to your life. Before Peter denied Jesus, Jesus said, Peter, <laughs> You're going to deny me three times. But you, keep on reading. But after you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. <laughs> Jesus knows we're going to fail, but he believes in our future post-failure. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is saying the same thing when he washes the disciples' feet. Did you ever see the lesson within a lesson? Remember I said the, the, the teaching of servanthood and humility was going great until he came to Peter. Peter said, no, you're not washing my feet. And then you need to know a little Greek, okay? I know a little Italian. I'm married to her. Okay, but here's a, here's a little Greek. Luo and nipto. Luo means a complete cleansing. Nipto is a wash-up. All right? So now when you, when, you, when you read it, and you've got Jesus washing his disciples' feet, comes to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to nipto my feet? It almost sounds like he's going to cut them off. Anyway, no, said Peter, you shall never nipto my feet. Jesus answered, unless, you nip, unless I nipto you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a luo, what's a luo? 
bath, complete cleansing, a bath. They need only to nip to have a wash up on their feet. Their whole body is already clean. You know, if I just had a shower and then I sit down and eat food with my fingers, when I'm done to get clean again, I don't go have another shower. I wash my hands. I, I just have a nip, though. I don't need a luo. Jesus is saying that we need wash-ups, even when we don't need to get saved all over again, when we fail and when we stumble and when we fall. Jesus is saying that even when we're completely cleansed from sin, we still need repeated wash-ups. That's why when we have communion today at the end, and if you're online with us, get ready, just something to drink and a little bread, and it's just symbolic of what Jesus did for us. We'll explain that later, but Jesus is saying here that we don't get saved all over again. We've received the gift of a bath, the wash-up, the complete cleansing, but we still need repeated cleansings. And then listen, here's a third way to just become more whole and complete and devoted to Jesus. Devote your life to loving Jesus. Yeah, I, I can do that. I can, I can live the rest of my life to just pleasing and loving Jesus. And you'll automatically become more godly. You see, we often sort of think of it this way, that we ha- it's like a, a graph. And we say, I'm going to add to my faith good goodness. I'm going to add to my faith self-control. I'm going to get that really down, and then I'm going to add perseverance, and then I'm going to add godliness. Huh? How many know this is more the way it worked in my life? <laughs> up and down, up and down, up and down. But you know what? If my life ended here, I'm still following Jesus. If my life ended here, even though I failed, how many understand I'd still be in heaven with Jesus because salvation is a gift that Jesus gave me. And I'm following him. See, it's all about following. It's all about the direction that we're going. Devote your life to following Jesus. When, when, I, when I thought of Peter, <laughs> I saw a video just a few days ago. As soon as I saw it, I thought, there, there's a picture of Peter's life. You know, Jesus says, follow me. And Peter starts following Jesus. And then he sees children bothering Jesus. He says, stop bothering Jesus. That guy's blind. There must be sin in his life. And then Jesus teaches on servanthood. But by the way, great message, but, but can I get a good position in the kingdom? You're the son of God, but you need to be corrected. You're never going to wash my feet, Jesus. And then he says, I'll die before I deny you. And Jesus is arrested and recognized. He's recognized, Peter's recognized as a follower of Jesus. And he says, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus. Beep. That's when he swears. I'm not a follower of Jesus. But he gets to a place that years later, he's in a church of a lot of Jewish people, and he starts to make the new people that are non-Jewish feel like they have to follow Jewish regulations to follow Jesus. Is he ever going to get this right? But over a period of 30 years, since he began following Jesus, Peter just kept making every effort, added to his faith goodness, to his goodness knowledge, to his knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection he added love until he got to that beautiful day where he was presented before the Father faultless. How many say, that's sort of the way my life's going? (laughs) 
That's sort of the way it's working for me. See, the transformation of a soul is the miracle of a moment. <laughs> but the maturity of same soul is the adventure of a lifetime of following Jesus. I don't know how I'm talking to. Right now, you, you're just sort of, I, I'm not going to take any more steps. I, I just can't get my stuff together with Jesus where I am. I, I just, I'm discouraged. Discouraged. Well, I'm glad that you don't have to say that. You can say, God, you're, you've given me a gift of your grace. And however many times I fall, I'm going to bounce right back <laughs> until that day where I'm in heaven and you present me faultless before the Father, godly and holy. Until then, I won't be, but that's the direction I'm going in. Amen? That's the direction I'm going in. You know, it's so interesting that what we're going to do next, taking the bread and the cup, communion, is what Jesus told his followers. He says, I want you to do this until I return. Until you're with me in heaven, I want you to keep doing this. Why did he want us to keep remembering his death? Because he wanted us to remember over and over <laughs> that we're saved not because we're good enough, but because he's good enough. And he gave his good enough to us as a gift. So we can thank Jesus for having what it takes to completely cleanse us from all unholiness. How many can say with me, thank you, Jesus? Say it with me. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me from all unholiness. But I don't stop there. But I don't try to become godly without failures that need repeated cleansing. <laughs> so I do this. I devote my life to loving Jesus. And I'll automatically become more like him. I'll automatically become more godly. Let's, let's pray a bit before we go into our communion time today. How many online and in this room would say, Pastor Keith, if you prayed a prayer with me right now, I understand that Jesus did for me what no religion could do. It's not about going to church or following a religious leader. It, it's, it's about following Jesus. And I'm ready to change directions in my life. I'm ready to follow Jesus. Or maybe you've we're following Jesus and you change directions and you're saying, I, I, I'm, I'm coming back to you, Jesus. <laughs> you never gave up on me. You still love me. You still want me in heaven with you ever. You still want to forgive me from all my unrighteousness. If that's you, you're either following Jesus for the first time or you're saying, Jesus, I'm getting back to following you. I I'm going to say a prayer. And I invite you, if the words are true for you, just, just whisper these words right where you are. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me what religion never could. Thank you for giving my life to forgive me and cleanse me. And oh, I need your cleansing. I need your forgiveness. So I change directions today. I come back home to you today, Jesus. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. However many times I stumble and fall, <laughs> I'm going to get right back up again because I love you, Jesus. And I want to spend forever in heaven with you. 
off. You prayed that prayer online, they'll be telling you some next steps that you can take. And if you're in this room and you're saying, you know, I, I don't have a Bible, well, go to the blue wall, they'll help you out. Or I'd love to know what the next steps are. We'll go to the blue wall at the end. It's, it's over on the one side of the lobby and, and we'll help you out there. But how many are here and you're saying, Jesus, I got some stuff that's mucking up my soul a bit. <laughs> you know, my attitude, you know, the words, you know, my actions, you know, where I've been, what I've thought, what I've done. I need a, I need a, a wash up. I need a fresh cleansing. I invite you just to prepare the bread and the juice that you were supplied with coming into this room or to take what you have there, wherever you're watching from today. And first, just, just take that bread and before you put it in your mouth, just break it. Jesus said, this is my body and it's broken for you. You know, I invite you to pray. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for coming into my brokenness. Thank you for being broken for me. Let's receive the bread together. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for coming into our ungodliness, our unholiness. Keep making us whole. Keep making us whole. Jesus took the cup that represented his blood being poured out, his life being given for the forgiveness of sins, to cleanse it all away. Just take a moment to whisper to Jesus, thank you for having what it takes to cleanse away all my sin. And I ask for a fresh cleansing today, Jesus. Give me a wash up, Lord. You who have completely cleansed me, give me a wash up today, Jesus. Oh, thank him that what he gave, his blood, has the power to cleanse away all unrighteousness, all sin. Let's receive of the cup together. Lord, at this time of year where we thank those who sacrificed their lives for Canadians and others in the world, we, it just is an illustration of how much we have to be thankful to you for, for cleansing away our sins so we could have freedom from what would otherwise damage us for all of eternity. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for each one now just like Jude in the Bible prayed it. I, I thank you that you're able to keep every one of us from stumbling and to present every one of us before your glorious presence without fault and with great joy, holy and complete. Ah, oh, to the God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen and... Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.